Welcome everybody to the One to Go show. It is Puka once again, joined by Ryan Aho and Bert Lehman. Uh, you can find us all on Facebook at Ryan Aho, at Bert Lehman, and at Racer Puka. Another uh, action-packed week of racing. We're going to jump the right into the One to Go show. At the One well, to yeah, Go most, show. Come yeah, on, now, most of you are watching us at the. Well, I'm kind of assuming everyone's kind of watching us there. And of course, you podcasters, like we said last week. Um, we're on Facebook for the show. We do show some highlights. So if you can't grab us on Facebook, if you're not on Facebook, you can jump over to the YouTube channel. And we also fired up a TikTok account over the weekend. And our first video, guys, like 11,000 views So um, on the TikTok. So uh, we're right in there with the uh, 9 and 10-year-olds. Huge following. <laughs> so, Ryan, we'll have you uh, uh, start us off tonight, jump right into things. Man, Mother Nature kind of won. There was a few races kind of rained out, kind of got knocked out of it. But, uh, you know, I want to give a shout-out. Joe Thomas, uh, son of Corky Thomas, a legend. All you guys out Western uh, Western Minnesota, up by Fargo, you guys all know Corky, class clown. I, I remember Corky, guys, pulling in <laughs> invitationals with a flatbed trailer, right? And he had a hot tub on it for two days' events. And after the races got done, like, everybody's getting in and out of a hot tub drinking beer. So, like, everybody liked Corky, right, because that's where the party was. <laughs> But Joe Thomas uh, got his first win at I-94. Guys, that's a tough place to win for a modified. Hats off to him. Uh, Ryan Michelson, another guy, young guy. You know, he's won some races in B-Mods. He's won in A-Mods, jumped in the late model. I think he may have won before, maybe in Viking. But uh, he won the late models over there. And a shout-out to my buddy, the coach. Puka, you're a hockey guy. Uh, you're a hockey guy. Coach Krause. He, he knocked him down in the, in the Super Stocks, got his first win of the year in the 29th star. So hats off to them guys. Now, did you watch that, Puka? I think you mentioned you watched uh, for sure the late model yes. feature there. You know, yeah. I-94, of course, opening up. Don Shaw, they opened up a couple weeks ago. Don Shaw taking control of that place. What was your thoughts on I-94? Well, it reminded me a lot of, you know, we've been talking about track conditions a little bit. And Bert, uh, it was kind of like Eldora, pretty dry, but it had a cushion. So, yeah, like I said, I watched a little bit of the mods. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good racing, and I watched the late model feature that Ryan Michelson uh, pulling it off. Moss came to, uh, up to second from sixth, and uh, uh, Schill, uh, you know, he started at, like, tenth and got third. So, yeah, I mean, I thought the uh, racing was pretty impressive. I know, I know from the interview, Ryan, you did a great interview. For those of you who uh, might have seen it, or if you haven't, search Ryan on Dirt Race Central. Did a great interview with Don Sean. He said he put up some big billboards. I didn't realize there's a lake. Uh, and that track, that track is set up a little different where that sun is definitely shining in your eyes. Plus, there's that lake band there, boy. And he talked about that reflection. I, I, I mean, you tell me. I mean, those billboards, I, I'm assuming, must really help. Yeah, they do. I've been to tracks where you're going right down the straightaway. And if it's – even in Hibbing, and Hibbing's not a big track, you roll through three in Hibbing, and then at the right time, the sun would be blinding you. And drivers – I mean, half the, half the guys out there that I race against had a hard enough time kind of keeping it straight as it is. But then if you kind of go like this, they're really in trouble, right? So, you know, and that's where a racer taking over is so good because he raced there. He understands, hey, this is an issue. Let's fix this because it's just going to make for a better program. So there's a prime example, probably the first big thing that Don Shaw has done of many to come at the I-94 Speedway. Um, another thing that happened, Grand Forks, River City Speedway, um, Lance Schill, his first career late model win. Um, he's won a ton of races in the Midwest Mods, but his first career late model win against, a, again, a stout group of cars. I mean, you got Brad Singh, you got Dustin Strand, Joey Peterson, you got some great guys. And 
the Canada guys aren't even able to come down. So you got no Belkin, right? You got you got some of them guys saying Eddington, they're not able to come down yet. Hats off to Lance Schill, uh, Gondik Law Speedway. Uh, Travis Budislavich, first person in the late models there to double up. He got his second feature win of the year up there in Superior. Um, a little bit of controversy there. A little controversy <laughs> on the start. Prop uh, now got to the inside on the start, made it three wide getting into one. And you got Steve Larson in the middle. I don't remember who was on the outside. They came in a one, yeah, contacts made. Larson goes spinning around in the circle. Guys, from what I understand, there was like a several-minute debate on, like, who's going to the back here. The call uh, ended up going on the 68 of Prop now. Larson got his spot back. Did you guys get a chance to see that video on Facebook? Uh, they, they had that up there. Go ahead, Bert. Did you see that? I did see the video, and uh, it's uh, incidents like that where I do not want to be a track official because, I mean, how many times I watched that video probably seven or eight times, and I could still go either way on that, and for a track official to have to make that call in a split second, that's the whose fault that is, uh, that's a difficult uh, thing to do. Um, you know, it's... It was just one of those racing deals. Um, you can, you could put, like I said, you could go either way on that one. And uh, it's, it's just a racing incident to me. Well, Ryan did, I mean, you're the racer here. Like I said, you speak for millions of racers every week. I mean, Larson knew he was there, didn't he? Why didn't Larson just go to the middle? Well, you, you got to remember, Steve's getting a little older. You know, he can't see quite <laughs> as good. You know, Bert, Bert's exactly right, guys. That, that was absolutely a racing deal. And, and that call is really easy to make. And let me tell you why, okay? So, so obviously, Procknell was ahead of him at one point there, right? So, you could have called it either way. But if it's a questionable call, you don't call it on Steve Larson. You know, Tom Nesbitt's gone. He's the, he's the new Tom Nesbitt. You got, Tom, you got Steve Larson, and I don't know if Slammer was there, but Slammer, Steve <laughs> Eggersdorf, was his main pick guy all last year, right? Now, Slammer and Hibbing, when he got a bad call on Labor Day one year, had a official on his car trying to pull the mag wire, and he gave the official a ride around the racetrack on the hood of his car. Steve Larson can be kind of grumpy. I love the guy. I get along with both of them guys great, but Steve can be a little grumpy. So if there's a questionable call, you call that on Proc now, right? Because you call that on Larson, you might get beat up afterwards. So I think that I think that might have played into it a little bit. What about a total restart in that situation? No goal? Well, let me tell you about a total restart. Talking about Nesbitt. We go down to Casson for a challenge series show back in 0203. <laughs> and I'm running, I don't I wasn't running that great. I wasn't very good in a late model. I, I won a few, but I, I wasn't the top guy. I think I was about eighth. And Nesbitt was a couple spots ahead of me. A couple guys, I don't remember who they well, were. Larson was one of them. Larson yeah, was he, one of them. There you go. Yeah. They get together, and next thing you know, the yellow comes out. Similar deal. They can't decide who to call it on. They give them both their spot back. Nesbitt stops his car literally on the front straightaway, calls the official over. He goes, somebody's got to go to the frickin' back of the pack. You can't penalize everybody behind them. Either put them both to the back or put one of them to the back. And they're like, nope, they're getting their spot back. And he says, bull crap, I'm sitting. Nesbitt literally sat there in the front straightaway. And, and they literally were just arguing back and forth and going, what in the world is going on here, right? And the, the tow truck guy comes out on the racetrack, and they're like, hook him up. Nesbitt gets out. He pushes the tow truck guy on the ground. Finally, they kick him off the track. <laughs> he's just off. Well, needless to say, somebody did go to the back on that one. It ended up being Nesbitt, who had nothing to do with it. So 
I, as a racer, as a fan, somebody has to go to the back. If they can't decide who it is, they both got to go to the back. You can't give both people that about that. All righty. Does that wrap up for you, Ryan? Bro, no, bro, I, I guess <laughs> another thing, uh, you know, Lucas Oil, touch on a couple of the bigger things that happened, you know, very briefly. Lucas Oil, uh, did you guys watch the clash at the Meg? Jimmy Owens, we called him out, guys, early. Off to a hot streak again, won the 100 lapper. They're kind of an uneventful 100 lapper, but uh, that wins puts them solid in the point lead right now, ahead of uh, actually, he is ahead of T Mac in second and Davenport in third. And, you know, do you guys get to watch that race at all? Clifford. Yeah, I did, I did watch that race uh, during my lunch hour today. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got to do something while I'm eating. And, uh, it was actually more exciting than what I thought it was because I knew Owens had started on the front row and I knew that he won. Uh, but uh, through the first part of the race, anyway, there there was some good racing action. At the end, you could tell that the track, uh, you know, was was becoming more of a one-lane track. Uh, but uh, yeah, Owens is definitely back on a hot streak, and uh, you know, I you know he could be. It's been a while since he's won a championship in that series. So who knows? Yeah, my it comments. Are, yeah, my comments are. Yeah, my comments are. Uh, great crowd. You could see that. Uh, and yeah, it's unfortunate on that final night on Saturday that the track locked down because there were three leaders at one point. Owens led, then Herb led, then Clanton led, and then Owens got him back on a restart. So it's kind of unfortunate the track did you know lock down. But I think, uh, like I said, uh, I said this a couple episodes ago. I think. You're starting to see the distance. Those three drivers, Owens, T-Mac, Davenport, those are the three guys that are going to be in contention for the title this year. And, and I, th I said Overton was going to be one of them, but turns out I don't think he's following either point series. He's kind of picking and choosing. And, and before we get into the world of all our stuff, because there's some pretty neat things there, Bert, you actually went to the races this past week. Um, I was going to, I was going to, but I'll let you recap. <laughs> you went to the, the Clash of the Creek, and why don't you talk about the Dirt Kings too? Yep, last week uh... – uh, Wednesday and Thursday, I went to the Clash at the Creek. Uh, the heat races for the Modifieds were on Wednesday. And the way they do it is the Modified Drive. They, they had 76 mods there, which is a good showing. Um, when I first got there, I thought the the number of out-of-town drivers was down. But now I, did, I didn't do an actual count, but I, there was a strong contingent of out-of-town, out-of-state drivers, actually. And what really surprised me was there were, I mean, there was more than five drivers that were from Arizona and California. And, uh, but I, I spoke with several of them and, you know, there's just not much racing going on in California and in the Western states. So if they want to race, they have to come to the Midwest. Uh, a couple of the mod drivers I spoke to, uh, they were, they were in Iowa the week prior, so they just drove up to Wisconsin to race in this event. One of the California drivers said he's, he's staying in Iowa for the summer and he's racing. What really surprised me was there were uh, two, drive, two sport mod drivers from Montana there and two sport mod drivers from Arizona there. Now, I mean, that's a long haul to be racing. The sport mods, they had complete shows on Wednesday and Thursday with $1,000 a win. I mean, $1,000 a win is good for that division, but to travel from halfway across the country for that, you know, I, I was surprised to see it, but I was happy to see it. But uh, getting to uh, the results, uh, Ricky Thornton Jr., 
uh, made it three in a row. And uh, he started <laughs> he started on the pole. Uh, there was a little bit of controversy because in as I stated, uh, the modified drivers, they race two heats on Wednesday night and then they get passing points uh, based on those two heats. And then North, the top 10 in passing points qualify for the feature the next night. And then the rest of the drivers have to qualify through their B mains in a last chance race. Previous years, it's always been, they start the top 10 straight up by, by points. So if you had the most passing points, you started on the pole, second most on the outside front row. Well, this year, apparently they decided to have a redraw for the top 10 and, uh, Apparently, none of the drivers knew about that until after they were, or during tech process, after the first night of racing. I guess uh, Ricky Thornton Jr. was pretty uh, vocal about it on Thursday afternoon. I don't, he must have been tweeting or something, because somebody told me that, that Thornton was not happy. And, uh, well, Thornton was supposed to start on the outside of the front row if you go by passing points, and he wound up pulling the pole. So he, he was actually lucky. Terry Phillips should have started on the pole based on passing points, and he drew number four. Um, I, I spoke with Phillips right before the feature, and since he was starting fourth, he wasn't uh, too upset at that time. Uh, but then when the race actually took place, the track locked down pretty much within the first 10 laps. And uh, afterwards, uh, Terry Phillips was a little aggravated. That was the word he used. <laughs> he said... He said that they better not do passing points next year. Otherwise, I may have to find something else to do. So um, he wasn't happy. Uh, it was interesting because when I interviewed uh, uh, Thornton after, you know, in victory lane, I asked him if he was going to try to make it four in a row. And he hesitated for a bit. And he goes, yeah, I'll probably be here. Uh, and I also found it interesting. It's tradition. If you win that race, there's a pond right next to victory lane inside the infield. Uh, it's tradition that the winning driver jump in the pond. He didn't jump in the pond this year. He did the last two years, but not this year. So I don't know if that was like a little bit of a protest for for the draw. I, I did talk to Toby Cruz, who's co-promoter there at 141. And he said that, you know, drivers have to also remember that, you know, tracks are in the entertainment business. So they have to put on, they have to have a good show for the crowd. I can understand that point of view, but when you have a track that you can't pass on, you know, it's tough to make the top 10 um, redraw their position. So, but uh, some other notes from the race, and notice I'm looking at my notes and I got my glasses on, <laughs> showing my age. I did talk to Thornton, to Ricky Thornton Jr. Uh, a few times during the week, and uh he said that uh, he plans on racing a late model probably 10 to 15 more times this year. Um, and one of those times is scheduled to be the USA Nationals. So I was happy to hear that. Nice. And uh, what was also interesting about Ricky Thornton is uh, he was there by himself. He had no pick crew. Um, I mean, after the race, uh, the camera, the photographer actually asked him, do you want a picture with your pick crew? He goes, I'm here by myself. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's just amazing, you know, and he just had a pickup truck and a single trailer, you know, nothing, no big toter home or anything like that. So, you know, he, he's really a down to earth guy and somebody that you can really talk to. 
Um, as I stated, 76 mods. Um, I do want to mention a couple of things that were unfortunate. I won't mention the driver's names because of what happened and I didn't write down their names anyway, so I couldn't mention them if I wanted to. But there was a driver from Nevada um, in his first heat race, he hit the wall in turn one on the first lap and that, he was done for that race. Um, second heat race he raced in, he clipped an infield tire and broke a tie rod. So <laughs> that ended his second heat race. So that's a long way to drive and not finish either that heat was. race. And then uh, there was a driver from Nebraska who in his first heat race on the parade lap, his uh, tire fell off, one of his tires fell off. Um, so I would, I would imagine he had a talk, he talked to his pit crew afterwards. <laughs> I know so, if he would have had Thornton's pit crew, who could he yell at? <laughs> that, well, that was one thing when I was on MJ's crew, that, that was always my responsibility was to take the torque wrench and double check the lug nuts before he went out there. So, uh, so yeah, that was always my biggest fear was a tire coming off. Um, but yeah, that's the clash at the Creek. Um, I mean, over the final night, the racing was really good until the feature and, uh, you know, the track in, in defense of the track, they did put a bunch of water on it on winds or on Thursday during the day. And I think, they dug it up a little bit because it, it, you know, it looked like it was a little bit uh, muddier, but uh, when you put that many laps on, it, it's tough. And also in defense of the track, you know, normally they open in mid April and they didn't have their first race until the first weekend of June. So, you know, they didn't have a lot of time to get the, know the track, you know, how it would react and that sort of thing this year. So, I mean, overall, it was it was a good show, um, but you know, there isn't. You can't go to a race if there's not controversy. <laughs> Ryan, and then I go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, gonna Ryan, say, thoughts on that uh, change in the lineup procedures? You must have some opinions on that. Uh, well, well, here's the deal. So, they, they, Bert's exactly right when the promoter said, "Hey, we're in the entertainment business," and he's exactly right. Bert is not usually the person to kind of call anybody out, right? So the track being not racy, I don't know. I would never want to be a track prep guy because that job sucks. But I would rather err on the side of making it a little too wet, maybe farm it before the feature or something, you know, rather than just have a one. Rubber is the worst thing in the world because it's always one lane. So you got to do something, especially on a big show. I get it. It's a weekday. I get it. But let's be honest, right? So they didn't tell anybody they were doing the redraw. You look at that front row, you got Terry Phillips, you have Ricky Thornton Jr. That's your front row. Whether the track's good or not good or whatever, that's not going to – I mean, I honestly look at that. Them, them are two talented drivers. That might have been entertaining. The promoter maybe overthought that and said, you know what, after seeing that, let's see if maybe these guys can scart a little deeper and come through the field. And uh, it just didn't work out because, like you said, the 20RT drew the one <laughs> and that put him on the pole. And I saw – I'm actually friends with him on Facebook. I didn't talk to him. Friends with his brother, too. And uh, Jeremy actually put a post on there said, if he would have started sixth or further back, there's no way he would have won that race because oh, there's no, no passing. No. Like you said, it locked down. So it is what it is. It's good to get the mod show. I mean, you're not always going to have – it's a dirt track. So, you know, I've seen some good ones. I've seen some bad ones. It is what it is. But – 
Needless to say, three in a row for the 20RT and excited to see him jumping into a late model at the USA Nationals. So back to you. And Ryan, um, get your opinion on this. Now, I talked to Mike Mullen, uh, who's, who's won that race uh, two times. He's from Seymour, Wisconsin. And uh, he was supposed to start... Uh, he was supposed to start fourth, but he wound up starting on the outside of the front row. But anyway, when I spoke to him and I asked him about the redraw, he said the format with two heat races where you have passing points is designed where a draw does not determine the outcome of a race. And that's why he felt that a redraw was not the correct thing to do. Yeah, because didn't they invert the finishing order from heat one? And that's how yeah. they lined up heat two? Yeah. And so then they, you, took, the, then, then they first, took the overall passing point. So you're yeah. exactly right. I mean, the winner had to start last in the next heat. So, right. so, yeah, he's exactly right on the money. That was the entertainment value for, for the Wednesday show, for the qualifying, is you got to see the good guys have to come through the pack on the second heat race, and they earn their spot. And, and as a racer, as somebody that competed for wins and, and raced to win – when you earn your way in through that passing point format and then they throw another wrinkle in it and say, well, I know you earned your way in. We made you work for it. We had passing points, but now we're going to make you redraw again. <laughs> That's kind of, I mean, I can see where they, some of them guys said they better figure out what they're doing next year. They ain't coming back. And, you know, as a driver, you know, if there's other options that weekend, it'd be pretty easy for them to say, you know what? Heck with that deal. There was too much drama last year. We're going this way. You well, know, if there's and, not much else going on, they're still going to go racing because it's still ten grand to win. So they're still going to be there, but uh, they better they better hope up there at 141 that there's not some other options that week because after that deal, some of them drivers might take it. And I mean, and Terry Phillips, you know, he was lucky in his heat races because based on his draw, he had to start in the back of his first heat race, but in that heat race, it was racy, so he he was able to race the second. And then in his second heat race, and the track was locked down at that point, he started on the pole, so he won. So that really helped him. But, I mean, you were talking about, you know, some drivers may not come back next year. You know, I talked to Phillips before the feature, and, you know, he said he enjoys coming up the 141 Speedway. And as you remember, he won $10,000 at the Masters in a USMTS show. And he said that he dropped off the tour for that week uh, to race at 141 uh, because uh, this year USMTS had races scheduled against the clash at the creek. So, you know, <clears throat> yeah, if there's other options for drivers, you know, you never know what will happen. So, speaking of that, um, Bert, does USMTS have throwaway shows? I mean, if he dropped off the tour for that week, is that knock him out of the points altogether? Or I don't know for sure. I mean, I asked him about points, and he said that he wasn't doing that great in points, but then after his week at Cedar Lake, uh, you know, it, he was back in it a little bit. So I'm thinking that they do get to throw some shows out, but I'm not positive on that. Well, we'll have to check into that. And uh, I was going to go to the Dirt Kings race first on Sunday, and I, uh, I just opted not to. I went and played golf <laughs> instead, and I watched the races from Casino Speedway online instead so uh talk about the dirt kings i know you have some news there yeah uh they raced uh at wilmot speedway in southern wisconsin uh mitch mcgrath uh won the feature uh second place was justin ritchie uh, i spoke about justin ritchie as a driver to watch on last week's show uh justin reed 
Uh, he finished third. Uh, he's a driver from Illinois who actually races for a car owner from Shawano, Wisconsin. And uh, they had 23 late models, uh, but there was uh, at least one notable driver that was not there, and that uh, is the two-time champion, Nick Advelink. Um, I mean, I haven't spoken with Nick. I don't know why he was there. Uh, but like I was uh, texting with you last night, um, you know, this race wasn't originally on the schedule. And I mean, based on the COVID, you know, you have the schedules have to be fluid this year. So, you know, maybe it was a, a thing where he couldn't get off of work on Monday or, you know, because you have to put in your vacation time, you know, earlier in the year and that sort of thing. So, uh, but I know the Dirt Kings, they always had a rule where you could throw out one or two shows. I'm assuming that's still the same. So just because he missed the show uh, doesn't mean he can't repeat. <clears throat> yeah, that's interesting. I saw that and I'm like, you know, that was one of the guys I was looking forward to going to watch. So as it turns out, I'm like kind of glad I didn't go because the guy I wanted to go watch wasn't even there. And then the guy, you said it was Reed that got third. Is that correct? Yeah, Justin Reed. And, and right before the races, you said, hey, here's my dark horse. You said that was your dark horse guy. And so the guy you talked about, Justin Ritchie, he got second. Your dark horse guy got third. I, I think you might know a thing or two about these guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I follow these guys like you guys follow the Western Wisconsin and Minnesota drivers. So, uh, so yeah, I, I kind of know. I, I, I've seen Justin Reed come close to winning a race at 141 Speedway. And I... <clears throat> I know Wilmot's a smaller track like 141 is, so um, I just had a feeling. <laughs> right, right. Now, All right, Ryan, why don't you, why don't you, yeah, why don't you uh, give us a quick recap of the Wu Lates? We're running a little late in the segment here. Yeah, the, the world of all our late models, you know, we'll touch on that. I mean, that was, we've been talking about Bloomquist, right? Is, is he ever going to do anything again? He goes down to his home turf, he gets home turf, gets a fourth, gets a fifth, couple top fives for Bloomquist at home. He didn't look like the car to beat, but at least he was racy. At least he was competitive. So that was good to see. Um, they got heavy day rain, uh, heavy rain on day one. They like they started late. It was really hammered down. And guess what? Overton broke leading again. Right? How many times are you gonna break leading? That guy's been absolutely on fire. Had a shot to win. Well, then mod guy, right? Like my mod guy. Strickler got the lead, power moved to the outside, looked like he was going to dominate the race, left front tire goes down. So then, he, because he's used to throwing it in there, plus it was heavy, which allowed him to do it, he maintained the lead, lap after lap after lap, and I'm like, holy crap, he's going to hang on to this deal and win. Well, he hooked the rut, mud got underneath there, wrecked the radiator, knocked the radiator out, out of the race he goes, and B-Shep makes it three in a row. On day two... A guy that ran pretty well down in the Extreme Series, I think even one of them, won one of them, Zach Mitchell, first-time winner in the World of Outlaws. So pretty neat deal seeing a guy win, you know, their first time in the World of Outlaws. Puka, you and I bantered about this. I'm like, ah, you know, not that huge of a deal because he kind of runs open late models anyway. He's raced against some of these guys. But let's face it, I mean, when you're in the National Series, whether it's World of Outlaws or Lucas, and you get your first win, it is a big deal. So hats off to Zach and you know, did you guys get a chance to watch uh, either one of those two races? Yeah, I watched them both. And, and uh, like I said, heavy track. Uh, like the track, there's another crowd. Like I said, I think they were standing. If you, anyone goes back and watches, I think that the crowd was on their feet for both features, both nights, stood the whole time. 
And uh, yeah, like I said, I think it's a big deal. Um, Bert, you, you did a little bit of uh, homework on Zach Mitchell. Can you tell us a little bit more about him? Actually, I mean, I did a Google search for him and there's not much you can find about him on Google. I know he's from South Carolina and um, he's around 24 years old. Uh, but yeah, I did watch the race that he won. And uh, there, I mean, there was multiple, there's many times when a driver, a local driver, a regional driver will start on the front row in a national event and they'll lead, you know, if, early portion of the race but then they'll fade and he just did not fade and, and it's not like he wasn't challenged I mean there was multiple grooves and they had to battle traffic for most of the race because that's a that's a unique track they're very banked and uh, so you know it, it wasn't a gimme and I mean he definitely earned it I mean you can start up front but you still have to stay up front yeah, absolutely and then, then the, do you have anything to touch on that, Puka? I no, know no, you watched ahead. that race as well. Well, yeah, I know. I guess, I guess one final note on that one was a guy since Jackson, that's name has kind of come up as one guy that's running for the rookie of the year <laughs> is that Ashton Winger. And uh, he doesn't have a win, but he's got some top five. I think he placed a fifth or fourth on the first night, but his name is starting, you know, the announcer, oh, here comes Ashton Winger. So there's a guy to kind of keep an eye on for the future. A young guy, another guy I don't know much about. I know enough. I know we reported on back in like December, January that he was running for rookie of the year and he's starting to, it seems like to make a little bit of progress. Yeah, that's fun to see. You know, I mean, let's face it. Some of these guys start at the beginning of the year and this is a tough group of cars. So you, they're, they're going to have to kind of take their lumps, right? I mean, some of these guys that are winning race have been doing this for a long time. So that will be fun to watch. Ricky Weiss had a rough week. Um, I think he got like 10th and 13th. He just, I think he had a, got into it with somebody on the second day. So the points there, Beachup leading again, but Ricky Weiss is in second. So that's going to be an interesting battle moving forward. Now the Wu Sprints, you know, I, I'm going to give a shout out to my buddy Keith. I feel like I do this every week because he's a sprint car guy. He just keeps bragging on the sprint cars. But let's face it, it was some pretty exciting stuff. They were at Tri-State down in Hopstadt, Indiana. Now I've been there. I've actually been to that track, kind of a neat little place. And the requirement for the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars is your name had to be Carson. Um, because the first day, Carson Short, first timer, lives about an hour and a half away, Illinois guy, Tri-State's kind of been his home track, shocked the world. I mean, he, he got his first World of Outlaw win in his 11th start. And what's neat about that is the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars, guys, hasn't had a first-time winner in over a year. It's been that long. So it's been very dominant by the people that are running the series. So hats off to him. And the second day, they had a there was a great finish at the end. Carson Macedo side by side with uh, with Sweet right at the end. They battled. They kind of swapped the lead. Now Carson Macedo, I don't know if you guys know this, he drives for Kyle Larson. So Kyle Larson absolutely dominated the midget week. I think he's got like nine wins or eight or nine wins over the last couple of weeks. He's been crazy good. But this Carson Macedo knocked off sweep. So a couple of guys that I didn't expect to see win, they got her done. And the points in the world of outlaws right now is Brad Sweet first, Donnie Shot second. Weird, right? Kind of the cream always rises to the top. So great racing action there. Um, did you get a chance to watch any of the highlights or anything from the world of outlaws? Yeah, that was, yeah, like I said, this Carson Short, I want to do a little bit of work on him because, yeah, like I said, Ryan, it's a big deal. I mean, they say you don't, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe once a year. You know, I mean, these guys, 
hauling the town. They got every tire compound known to man. And, and, you know, you're just, you're a sitting duck as a local guy. And I remember when I lived out in Billings, Montana, we, you know, they had two day shows out there, I think, oh, four, oh, five, oh, six. And, uh, you know, the local guys, you know, they just went right to the back. There was just, didn't stand a chance. But I, so I did kind of like Bert did uh, with Zach Mitchell. This Carson Short looks like he's about 24 years old. He's from Marion, Illinois. He does race some, race some USAC stuff too. And the ironic thing is his first USAC win was also at Tri-State Speedway. So um, just, you know, another guy, like I said, I guess to keep an eye on uh, moving forward here. All right. Is that it, kind of it for the recap on the week? Yeah, you know, and I think I mean some some people are red hot right now. Some people, not so much. I mean, <laughs> you know, so talk about some of the guys. I, I kind of made a list of some people that are who's hot, who's not. But you know, who do you guys? Who comes to mind for you guys? Who's red hot? You know, in your eyes right now. Go ahead, Bert. Yeah, it's kind of the first day of summer here, and uh, you know, so obviously spring is behind us, and so we thought we'd kind of just you know take a pause here and kind of look and say, all right, we're we're you know we are even in this crazy COVID era or time, you know, we. You know, we, we do have some racing behind us here, so we're going to take a little time on who's hot and who's not. Go ahead, Bert. You start us off. Are we talking nationally or locally or, or Whatever. Both or? Whatever well, I mean, comes as, to mind. As we stated before, I mean, Jimmy Owens, obviously. Uh, one thing I wanted that I was going to mention before, but what I didn't, I mean, T-Mac is having a really good season this year, and you got to remember, he's racing for a new team this year, new new car owner. So for him to come out, the way he has to start this season has been really impress impressive in my eyes. Yeah, one guy I've got who's hot and kind of kind of locally is Scott Ward. I see one last night at Casino, so he's put a, put together a couple of wins over the last couple of weeks. And on the not side, I mean, here's a guy that normally has some wins by this time, AJ Diebel. You know, I mean, he did have a, a big heat race win there the night I was at the Masters. But you know, he's you know, as far as I know, he's been out of victory lane. And the aforementioned Donnie Schatz, he is second in points, but I think he has one win only with the two. Okay, I think he's two. So two. You know, so he, you know, I mean, it's Donnie Schatz. You know, we're comparing Donnie Schatz to Donnie Schatz. He should probably have five wins by now. Another guy that usually has a, a bag full of wins by now is a seventy-one A of Ryan Ao. I just haven't seen him on the win list. <laughs> I don't know about all that. I don't know about he, – he's, he's all old and washed up. And, uh, you know, one thing about the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars, guys, the car counts at a lot of these shows has been really good. Um, you know, so that's, that's impressive. I mean, we've been having a lot of shows in the 40s and higher. So, you know, it's been pretty exciting to watch some of those races. Now, you mentioned Scott Ward in late models. I mean, we did our power rankings last week. We didn't even mention this guy, right? But he's got – he won four of the last five. Oh, okay. You know, so he's got four of the last five, including two of them this week, one at the Brown County Speedway and one at the Casino Speedway, both out in South Dakota. And so he's been absolutely red hot in the late models. Becker has a pile of seconds, so them two are both running very good. Um, the hottest guy right now in Wasoda racing in the area, by far, Shane Sabraski. Seven of his last ten, um, I mean, just incredible. He's got... Like, literally, he won the last three in the mod and the last couple in the super at Gondek. I mean, I think he's just got a pile of wins up there. Absolutely lights out. I watched him at Ogilvy um, on Saturday, and in the mod, he just he just drove away. Jody Belfi tried to make a run on a restart. Sabraski just put it in high gear and just drove away. So smooth. Super stocks, he dumped the guy. He dumped uh, the 44 car right on the initial start. Got himself put to the back. He goes, yep, I done fucked up on that one is what he said. So he got – he literally did. But, guys, he got put to the back, and he was three wide for the win coming for the flag. 
from dead last. So had there been a restart, you know, if, if he would have maybe been shuffled to the outside on a restart instead of the inside, he might have won that race from last. So absolutely dominant right now. Virtually unbeatable up at the Gondekloss Speedway in Superior. I mean, and there's good cars up there. I mean, in the Supers, I mean, everybody's that everybody's been up there. Kurt Meyer's been there. Burdick's been there. Moss has been there. They've all been there. Timmy Johnson was up there in the mods. You got Ebert. You got Esty. You got Nelson. You got Belfi. Sobraski just dominant. Um, speaking of Daryl Nelson, you know, he, he wrecked his late model guys at the Masters pretty hard, but that modify has been pretty darn good, and he doubled up at Cedar Lake this past weekend on winning both features. They had makeup features in the mod. You know, coming off of that deal, you know, he's pretty stout, especially at Superior. With the border battle coming up in, in Superior, maybe he could be the guy to knock off, knock off Sobraski. Who's not really quick there? I got three people on the top of my mind. Number one, John Cantor, the sheriff. Probably one of my favorite was sort of late model guys, Mr. Smooth. Um, 11 starts, guys, he's got one top five. One top Oof. five in 11 starts. And that night he got third. He led. He started up front. He led till the end. And basically in the last lap or two, slipped from first to third. He's just – he's a step behind. I'm not sure what's missing there. Um, super stocks. Okay, now I don't know if you call this not hot, but Kevin Burdick, he's got eight races. He's got only one win. Why? Because Sobraski's kicking his ass, <laughs> period, right? And he hasn't finished out of the top five yet, but we're talking about a guy last year that won over 30 features, and, and he just looks off. He look, I mean, he's good, but he's not dominant. So I'm looking for Kevin Burdick to step it up. And, you know, I picked – who did I pick to win the mod uh, championship? Johnny Broken. Johnny, I know you listen to the show, right? I'm calling you out, man. I watched Gondek Lost Speedway a little bit. Heat race. Not not their fault. I mean, they're just having some bad luck. They're trying some stuff, but struggling, just struggling. Um, I think the best finish Johnny's got all year so far is third. He's got three fifths and seven. And they've only raced at Superior, but Friday, I don't remember who it was, but somebody, I think it was Jeremy Nelson, spun out in front of him. Johnny kind of got on the brakes to miss him. Bob had nowhere to go. So father and son getting a wreck together. Johnny goes off. Johnny came from the back though up to around fifth or sixth or something. He ran pretty good in the feature. Bob scattered an engine. So Broking Motorsports is just, you know, they got to be pretty thankful that there's no national points. Speaking of that, I'm thinking Shane Sobraski really wishes there was national points right now. And uh, them guys are probably pretty happy they're not. So that's my who's not, who's not. Um, we're going to update the power rankings online. A couple things, obviously, Scott Ward in the mix. There's Travis Kudislavich with a couple wins. Jeffrey Massengill hasn't really he hasn't won anything, but ran very well at Cedar, another top five. So things are going to shake up there. So back to you, Puka. All right. Well, yeah, that's kind of the week that was. And let's kind of look ahead to this week. And there was a lot of racing going on. And one big announcement that we got this week is that the Hell Tour schedule is out. And we're going to touch more on that later on. But, Ryan, uh, as they get closer to race date, but, Ryan, I know you had a quick comment on that. Yeah, you know, it's just interesting. I mean, the Hell Tour come out, but – Obviously, it had to get moved back, and now you move it back, and now you're doubling up. You're on top of some big marquee events, and the one that comes to mind, and there's several of them. We'll talk about that as it gets closer, but the USA Nationals, right? So you see people like Brian Shirley. You see people like Bobby Pierce. You see some of them guys. Are they going to Cedar Lake? Are they going to these mar the, the big crown jewels, or are they going to go to the Hell Tour? That's going to be very interesting moving forward to see how the car counts work out there. So 
um, that's that's going to be something that we have to watch and see as we get a little bit closer to them dates. Birch, what are you looking uh, previewing or kind of looking forward to this week? Um, <clears throat> well, this week on Friday uh, will be uh, Rush Scheffler Tribute Night at Plymouth uh, Plymouth Dirt Track in by Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Uh, this is a unique event in the fact that. Um, two fans, basically three years ago, uh, they talked to the Rush Scheffler family because the Scheffler family had um, done memorial races for George Scheffler. And then, you know, when Russ passed away, it was for George and Russ. But they decided that, uh, that four years ago that that was going to be the last race that they were going to do as a memorial race so these two fans got permission from the Scheffler family and got approval and they go out and get the sponsorship money the extra money that's on the line uh this year it's gonna pay two thousand three hundred and seventy four dollars to win and seventh down to seventh place will be at least a thousand dollars and it's three hundred and twenty five dollars to start so i mean that that's a pretty good payout for basically just a regular show for the track. Uh, thanks to these two fans, Chad Marquardt and Greg Wester. And uh, so I, I think that's pretty, pretty unique. Uh, that's on Friday night. So that's, that's what, I, that's the big late model event on this side of the state. I'm not sure yet. I'd like to go, but I'm not sure. Go ahead, Ryan. What do you got on the docket? No, you go ahead. All right. So I got, there's a couple big shows happening in the National Series, a couple local ones. On the National Series, World of Outlaw Late Models making their annual Firecracker 100 trip over to Lernerville. Excited about that. Didn't Brady Smith win that race? Didn't he win at Lernerville, Lernerville in the World of Outlaws a few years back? I know Mars did. That was one of the controversies Mars when Mars, Mars and Bloomquist kind of became rivals. As Bloomquist said, he's treating tires or he has illegal tires or something like that. That's probably <laughs> 12 or 13. Okay, Somewhere I feel that. like Brady uh, ran really good over there. Maybe he didn't win, but I feel like I thought Brady either won or got second. Maybe it wasn't that race, but at, at Lernerville. Uh, Lucas Oil got their racing at the 411 on Friday down in Tennessee, and then they're racing at the Talladega Short Track. So that Talladega's had a little bit of drama here this week, right? I mean, they, they had the NASCAR race there. They banned the Confederate flag going to stay out of the politics, but they had a little drama with a plane flying or plane flying above carrying the Confederate flag saying defund NASCAR. So now you're getting into heart of Alabama to the dirt track race, right? There's a lot of controversy. Guys, I've been to that track. Okay. Want to talk about a bunch of hillbillies? Oh my God. Okay. The first rule I remember when I went to the Talladega short track was no drinking in the grandstands. I'm like, what? Oh, really? If you want to drink, you got to go in the pits. I'm like, what are you talking about? They <laughs> well, drink safe. in the pits during yeah. the races, but not in the grandstands. If they did that in Hibbing, Puka, there'd be a fist fight like every single night, right? Every night. Like literally, yeah. I mean, just the tardies alone would be in a fist fight if they were drinking in the pits. John and Jeff would kill each other. And that'd be before the races. They yeah, wouldn't even start. You know? And, it, and if, they, if they had Iron Rangers drinking in the pits, they'd just park a beer truck there for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was crazy. So cool little track, right? They have the ice bowl there every year. So the Lucas Oil guys are racing there. Woo Sprint's coming to Minnesota. They got the you know, big event at Jackson. Um, but a couple of local things happening. Um, my buddy Del, uh, up in Devil's Lake, 
They got the Golden Hammer Late Model Invitational. It's the first NLRA event away from the River City Speedway for the 2020 season. 2,000 to win. So that should be a really good event. I'm kind of wondering with 2,000 to win on the line, I don't know what else is going on. If, if maybe some of the Minnesota-Wisconsin guys will make the trek up there because I know they'll get a good group of cars from Grand Forks in the area. But for 2,000 to win and not a lot else happening, you know, I – I'd like to see what happens there because Superior. Oh, now this is it. Well, let me let me talk about that real quick, Ryan. Let yeah, me talk about that because the one the one thing that I saw on Friday that's going on is it just came out as the prelude to the Rumble out in Aberdeen, and they kind of put a little thing on Facebook where they say, "Look, we know we're not paying a lot, and they're actually charging them a hundred bucks to race." But they said, "You know, we've got the Rumble coming on the 10th and 11th of July, so we want to give our fans an idea of who might show up." And they were kind of asking late model drivers you know, please come and support this event. So now I didn't even know that Devil's Lake was going on. I thought maybe some guys would maybe go down there, but now we're going to have a little bit of a push and pull. Yeah, well, kind of what happened is it was going to be Aberdeen and then it was going to be Watertown. It was supposed to be, they were going to have a couple Challenge Series shows, but of course they canceled the Challenge Series. We'll talk about that, but that was going to be Challenge Series, but they still wanted to have late model specials. Now, Superior, Gondick Lost Speedway, Puka looks like he throws up a little bit there. Freeze frame, freeze frame, right? So I'm here. <laughs> up at the Gondek Lost Speedway in Superior, they're running Friday and Sunday, okay? Now, Friday, they got, like, winged and non-winged sprints, mod supers, peers. Sunday, they have late models. They got renegade sprints, Midwest mods, peers. Now, guys, here's the deal. So they're running Friday, Sunday, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They're running five races in ten nights. I mean, I don't know what the hell they're thinking. I got to be honest. I hope it goes good. I really do. But I mean, fans are eventually going to get burnt out. And, and the way I look at it, if I was a fan, you know, am I going to go to them couple races and then all of a sudden say, well, hey, I just went to Superior twice. I'll, I'll go down to Cedar Lake or I'll go down to Mississippi Thunder. Is that many shows going to hurt the border battle, especially considering the U.S. Canadian borders close? So you can't even get people to come down. That's about a quarter of the crowd at, Thund at uh, Superior. So interesting to see what's going to happen in Superior. Um, I know that's going to be on Dirt Race Central, so I'll watch it. I'll, be, I'll, I'll watch them shows. But, uh, man, sometimes less is more, right? This whole too many shows on top of each other at the same track, I, I think they're making a mistake. A lot, what do you guys think? As fans, yeah, that, that, what, what's your take on that? Well, that that's so, a lot. I mean, go ahead, Bert. No, I was just going to say that it, that is a lot. And I mean, especially this year, you know, some fans may still be out of work because of the COVID and, you know, it, it's a lot to ask the fans to show up that many nights in a short amount of time uh, with a limited budget. I mean, even in a good year. <laughs> yeah. And the thing to remember is, is this is not, you know, a normal night so the entry fees are up not down so yeah it's i guess we'll see you know we're gonna we're gonna learn a lot here in the next would you say 10 days <laughs> yeah they're, they're so, gonna race friday is that it I for uh, the previews guys what's that go ahead i feel like poop is kind of froze up there bert so yeah he did. yeah five <laughs> nights in 10 days they're running they're running friday saturday or friday sunday and then they're going to run Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So quite the interesting deal. I guess we'll have to see what happens. But um, is there any other races? I mean, Puka, what are you, what are you thinking? What are you looking forward to this weekend? 
Well, like I said, the big one was the, that Rumble was kind of the announcement. Like I said, the, you know, the, the Godnick stuff's local for me. Um, quite frankly, I'm, I think I'm going to be hitting an Enduro on Saturday night. It's kind of my plan right now. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> he's leaving, he's so. leaving the late models for Enduros. <laughs> That's the one the kids love. There's action all over the track. So, all right, guys. Well, uh, let's move on to the last segment here. We are, uh, like I said, on to the last lap. So we have one to go. So like we just mentioned a little bit, Bert, we'll start you off on this one. Challenge series canceled. Thoughts there? Yeah. Uh, the Wissota uh, Late Model Challenge Series has been canceled. Uh, I was reading over the press release, and uh, basically there's just too many tracks that are – that aren't running right now that were on the schedule and they felt like uh, running a sh shorter season with limp with uh, less tracks wasn't uh, in the spirit of the series and uh, so I, one thing I found interesting from the press release was that they they hinted towards a complete restructuring of the series which would give the series the potential to be at more tracks and some for the first time. Uh, so, I mean, if there's a good thing to come out of this COVID summer is maybe it's forcing promoters to rethink things and rather than doing the same old thing just because it's always been done that way. So, I mean, hopefully uh, the series can come back bigger and better in 2021. Well, Ryan, not every series has been canceled. The Street Stock series is still a full bore ahead. Yeah, the Stefan Speedstock Series, guys, they got five nights in already. I thought they were running Sunday, but it turns out they got five nights in. Uh, we got two back or two double up on wins this year. Johnny Carter won his second of the year. He won um, Saturday night up at the Devil's Lake Speedway, and he's your 2019 Wissota Speedstock National Champ and, and actually currently leading the Stefan Speedstock Tour point standings. He's running very good, but a guy that, that is really, really running good is I believe second in points in that deal right now is Eric Riley um, up in Grand Forks. He started 12th. He won from 12th. Or yeah, he won from 12th for his second win of the year. He has been absolutely bolted. I heard the track up in Grand Forks for the street stock race was amazing. Um, I talked to Justin Vogel. Vogel's been struggling. He hurt a motor, so he's got his backup motor in. Not quite running well, but they have some throwaway shows. So he said he's looking forward to getting his motor back. But, uh, man, that's been some good racing out there. Very good car counts. They've been, that's been very well followed by the street stock guys. So, uh, Johnny Carter looking to continue his hot streak from 2019 right, right into 2020. Bert, update on the uh, Shano Hall of Fame. Uh, yep, Shano Speedway has their uh, Hall of Fame this weekend. Uh, two drivers will be inducted. Um, one is an old-time driver. Uh, last name is Moss. And uh, the other driver is uh, Mark Mitchell, who was a friend of mine. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away about three years ago of pancreatic cancer. Uh, but he will be inducted into a Hall of Fame. He's a track champion at Toronto in the Hobby Stock Division. Uh, won numerous features in the Hobby Stock Division. Moved up the late models. Uh, has one feature, one feature win in his career in a late model. Uh, here's one of his die casts from early in his late model career. So uh, actually I uh, got some uh, lap sponsor money. So the I'm safe stock car feature and the late model feature will have lap leader money uh, for each lap. 
Actually, in the stock car feature, the leader of lap 15 will get $150. So I imagine people are going to be scrambling to be leading that lap. So, um, so yeah, Plymouth doesn't race that, that night because they're racing Friday night instead for the Scheffler Tribute Night. So hopefully some Plymouth late models will come to Shano. Uh, if there's any Western Wisconsin late models that want to race for some lap money, come on over and come earlier on Friday and race in the Scheffler race. <laughs> All right. Nice work, Brad. Uh, uh, Bert, uh, congrats and have fun. That should be fun. for Yeah. You. Good job with that. You know, and I think you're right. It'd be really cool to see some of them guys head on over there because there's some really good money on the line, like you said, at the Scheffler race. And then you start adding in all that lap money. The only race I've ever raced guys that had lap money was the Silver 1000. They always added lap money in for that. And and I led, I think, 20-some laps in the feature that I won when I won the Silver. And that was a nice little boost. So so good job to that. The drivers absolutely appreciate it, for sure. Yeah, the, the cheapest is uh, $25 a lap. Uh, some are $57 because that was Mark's number. Uh, lap 15 is $75 and uh, the final lap is $100. So, so it's, I believe, like $689 in lap money for the late models and it's 821 for the hobby stock or the stock cars. So nice. Nice. Awesome. Well, we finally got some good news up north here, Ryan, uh, where I am and where you are from. So why don't you kind of update us on that? Well, we have some good news and we have some bad news, off? okay? So the, the, the good news is the Grand Rapids Speedway got approval to start their season. Opening night is going to be July 9th, okay? The bad news is, is you're not going to an Enduro on Saturday um, because we had to cancel the Enduro at the Grand Rapids Speedway, hit some other obstacles that they had to deal with. So no practice this week, no Enduro. They're going to roll in. Everything's going to start after the 4th. We got official approval there. Um, also at Grand Rapids, bad news. It just it stings because I put a lot into this. The World of Outlaw show at the Grand Rapids Speedway is canceled for the 2020 season, and we're going to look at putting getting a date for 2021. You know, at the end of the day, you know, even if we could make it work financially, we wanted that to be an impact on the city. We wanted to be that to be great for the people that come to the track and if we're limited on crowd, it, we just can't do it the way we want to do it. Um, Hibbing, they have a city council meeting in Hibbing on Wednesday night. Now, they actually are working with the city council members. They've talked. They feel like there's a pretty darn good chance that they're going to open up this coming Saturday already. Interesting to me that, that they're going to find out Wednesday night and say, hey, by the way, in a couple days we're racing. Seems kind of like quick, but, you know, they said, hey, by, by this time, people's cars should be ready to go, you know, so at the end of the day, you know, they feel like they can jump that quickly if they have to, and that's going to lead me into, and I'll let you guys touch on this, um, a few, about a month ago or a few weeks ago, Ashland said, hey, you know, you guys aren't racing, let's have a late model show up at the ABC Raceway in Ashland, okay, so they kind of assumed that Hibbing just wasn't going to be able to open. Now, Hibbing looks like they're probably going to open. And now what happens, right? Because where are the late model guys going to go? Are they going to go to Ashland? Are they going to come up to Hibbing? What are they going to do? Cedar Lake's got a Nash deal. So, all, you know, all the, the guys from down in that area are going to be at Cedar Lake. So, with that said, one of them is going to have to cancel late models. And I don't know exactly how that's going to work. I'm out of the loop on that deal. 
But uh, from what I understand, if Hibbing does open, Ashland may have to cancel the late models. There might be a mileage deal. So that's that's interesting. And you know, I talked uh, talked to Jimmy Mars um, and uh, Red Cedar Speedway. I'm not sure if we talked about this or not. They have officially canceled their World of Outlaw race. Um, I talked to Nate at Ogilvy. I talked to Brad Sang. Um, he he kind of knows what's going on up at Grand Forks. Talk to them about you know what's going on. Talk to Joe Staria. I think we're going to hear a lot in the next week on if the rest of that series is going to go on or if it's going to cancel, but uh, kind of a frustrating deal because having the world of outlaws come through was going to be great, but 2020, it, it is what it is. Uh, we're all looking forward for the year to be done. Yeah. yeah, that's a tough deal. It's tough for the drivers. You know, they come up, whatever, Pennsylvania. I mean, Bloomquist come from Tennessee. Uh, Madden come from South Carolina. And you're, you know, originally planned on five nights. You're going to race one or two or three. It just, yeah, it'll be kind of tough on them. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. So, well, and ahead. I just wa wanted to add, you brought up Red Cedar Speedway. I mean, they got some bad news recently that uh, they're not going to be allowed to open up. And, I mean, they're hoping that maybe at their next, what is a county meeting, but, I mean, you're looking into July at that point. And, I mean, if I remember correctly, I read an article, though, that the future of the Speedway, where it is, was in doubt. So maybe this is more political than just the COVID. I, I, I don't know. That's just my speculation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've been going to the Red Cedar Speedway for years. I remember I was a little kid going there, and that was, you know, 38 years ago, 37 years ago, I remember – and they were, I mean, they're kind of by a hospital, they're in town, you know, and basically for as long as I can remember, there's been like controversy in town, they got curfews, they, all that craziness going on. And, and keep in mind, their season typically ends in the middle of August. They don't even race up till Labor Day weekend. So they don't, like you said, they don't have another meeting with the Dunn County Fair Board or whatever they're dealing with there. 29 people on that fair board or that are making that vote. Absolutely crazy. That's way too many, way too many chickens in the hen house, right? Absolutely nuts. But the fact is, if they aren't able to even make a decision until the end of July, is it worth even opening for a couple weeks? Or are they going to just maybe have one regular show and then have the punky? It'll be interesting to happen to see what, what, what happens down there at the Red Cedar Speedway because you know, there's a lot of history. There's some great race car drivers that come out of there, and I'm, I'm actually just torn up to them guys because I know they had some good things, uh, good things going for them. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to try and do everything they can to get the punky in at least. So, all right, just a final note uh, for you race fans: uh, the fans fund down at Cedar Lake, which is where fans can donate money, to, and they there's a little vote and to bring in drivers. Uh, we'll kind of get more into details uh, as that gets closer. We'll kind of go through the list, but uh, the voting has started. They've, I guess, they've got like six thousand bucks bucks in the pot i talked to tommy emerson who's used to run it he's not running it anymore but you know i talked to him at the masters he said well he said well, you know we see a lot of sponsors for this deal i mean they'd raise up to like 20 grand he said you know the sponsors are just non-committal this year so it's gonna be interesting to kind of see what happens with the fans fund but if you are interested if you're planning on going to the usa nationals you want to throw I mean, it's kind of a neat deal you throw like 30 40 bucks i can't remember exactly bert you've been to it uh, the drivers come in they they sign autographs uh, it's in the building in the back you get a free lunch uh, the drivers come in, give a little speech. They give away a bunch of stuff. They give away door panels. They give away shirts, all kinds of stuff. Uh, so it's kind of a unique event. And even the drivers will tell you, this is like, I mean, there's many drivers that have said, you know, they're like, gosh, if it wasn't for the fans, there's no way we could be up here. Uh, Jason Fager, Bert, uh, you know, he's kind of got that thing done. But like I said, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get more into detail on this as we get closer 
but like I said, if you want to get into the fans fund, uh, just go to fansfund.com. I believe it is. And you can kind of do all the details and get on PayPal and get your donation in. So, all right, fellas. Well, I think that's pretty much a wrap. We're now we're in here. Is that uh, anything else? Yeah. Speaking of Cedar Lake, there's one thing I want to touch on. We'll talk more about this next week. But obviously, they had that 4th of July weekend, right? The Independence Special or whatever they have it called with the World of Outlaws. They, they threw that in. Well, the border battle up at Superior, the FYE show, they actually canceled. They, they canceled the late model portion of that. So they, they said, you know what? We're just, it used to be a mod show anyway. We're going to drop the late models, give them a chance to go to Cedar or Mississippi Thunder. Now, in my mind, right, I'm thinking, okay. Mississippi Thunder, five grand to win, 500 to start at the River City Rumble. I'm going to, if I was a Wasoda engine type guy, I would definitely go there because I have a chance to win. I'm thinking I'll race there Friday or Thursday. I'll race there Friday. Boom, I'll head up to Cedar Lake Saturday and race at Cedar Lake, right? Well, I talked to um, Casey with the World of Outlaws. Thursday, they're doing the same stupid thing they do down at Charlotte. And they are actually going to – all Thursday's show is, okay? And, and this is nothing to do with Cedar Lake. So I'm not dogging Cedar Lake because they don't get to make this decision. This comes from World Racing Group. They're the ones who make this decision. And clearly, they don't care about racing. I don't know what the hell their deal is. Like, I'm a little frustrated with them. Thursday, they're going to run two rounds of time trials, okay, for each class, lates and sprints. And then they're going to take the top 18 or 20 and just have a 20-lap dash for three grand to win. On, on Thursday night. That's the whole show. $29 to get in, guys, to watch freaking time trials and two 20-lap dashes. Are you kidding me? Like, who that – I was going to think about going to that. I was talking to several of my buddies. We're like, hey, we're going to make the trip down. We're going to go watch on Thursday. What a waste of freaking time. There is no reason for anybody to even go to the Cedar Lake Speedway for that Thursday show. It's a joke, right? Friday, Saturday. Now, here's what's worse. This is – this literally just drives me insane. The time trials that they're doing on Thursday is for Friday's show and for Saturday's show. So what does that mean? Think about this. What does that mean? That means that if you're one of the cars that was going to race Mississippi Thunder on Thursday and Friday, thinking maybe you're going to go up there on Saturday, you don't even get to qualify. So you're either going to have to start, and they haven't announced what, the, what they're going to do here, but you're either going to have to start in the back of a heat, or they might even make you take on to the back of an LCQ, Right? So why the hell would any late model guy go up there on Saturday? There, now there'd be no reason. I talked about uh, with the Masters, there'd be no reason for anybody to just hop in on Saturday. Well, now there's definitely no reason for somebody to just hop in on Saturday. So absolutely, I just shake my head at that deal. I don't know what the heck they're thinking. And uh, Casey actually voiced his opinion. He tried working something in with Mississippi Thunder to do the World of Outlaw race at Mississippi Thunder Thursday. And then go Friday, Saturday, World Racing Group wanted nothing to do with it. He said, guys, we're going to struggle to get late models. It's going to be a great sprint car show, but, man, we'll talk about this more next week. But I'll be surprised to get 20 late models at that show at Cedar Lake. It's going to be – I'm not impressed. Bert, any final <laughs> comments on that? No, I mean, Brian summed it up pretty well there. <laughs> all right everybody well thank you again for joining us like i said check us out on tiktok check us out on youtube of course many of you are catching us here on the facebook page if you're a podcaster like i said you can check us out at all those other outlets if you actually like to see some of the video footage that ryan does a great job of putting together like i said first day of summer uh, longest day of the year get out there and that, i can't think of a better day to get out there and be your dream you're tuned to the one to go show <laughs>